Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's that time of year again. It's the time of the year where we have to make a list about what is going to be the best of 2019 because your Geek History Lesson is now in session. Hello and welcome to Geek History Lesson. I am Jason, baby New Year Inman. I am Ashley Victoria Robinson. Welcome to your Mind University because you have stumbled onto the podcast where we take one character, construct, or solar year from popular culture and teach you everything you need to know about it in about an hour. And if you are new to the podcast, welcome. We're so happy to have you. Please tell a friend. We do this every year, usually at the beginning of the next year, but this year at the end of this year. So we're trying to keep you on your toes after five years of broadcasting. That's right. We're going to, hoping that you're going to enter New Year's Eve with our definite lists of everything that is in pop culture and all the various items. Just to let you know, our uh, different categories are comics, movies, television, books, prose books, actually, uh, podcasts, and then our favorite episode of our own podcast, which actually is a fun suggestion given to us by a listener. So we hope everybody out there, you hope you had a good holiday, whatever you celebrated. Hope you uh, watched lots of television, like The Crown. That's what we did. Mm-hmm. It was a great, great viewing experience. I don't think I made it on my list. Did it make it on your list? You'll have to see. You mean I'll have to listen? Well, you can see me. Oh, that's true. Nobody else can, though. Podcasting famously a visual medium. Speaking of things that are visual mediums, though, we want to talk a little bit about our comic, Jupiter Jet. Now, don't run away. I know a lot of you guys fast forward doing some of these advertisements, but I want to say to you right now, don't fast forward because, fun fact, here's the announcement. Jupiter Jet Volume 2 is finally coming. That's right. Our comic that was released in 2017, we are doing a brand new volume of it, and it's going to be coming to Kickstarter in late January 2020. And if you are excited about our all-ages jetpack girl, Jackie Johnson, who flies through the sky, um, you can see two pages of the comic book of Jupiter Jet Volume 2 right now on my newsletter at jasoninman.com. You can go there. There's a little widget. And... You get the exact date for when the Kickstarter is going to launch. So we're really excited about Volume 2. Uh, there's a new villain. There's a new supporting character. And there's some uh, fun stuff in it. There's some fun Western stuff in it. Yeah, Ashley? Yeah. I'm hoping to see more cameos than ever before. From who? From our supporters. Okay. That's one of my favorite things. Okay. I love seeing the cameos. Uh, all right. Uh, so don't forget to go over there and check that out. Um, there you go. Uh, any other side business stuff, Ashley, we need to go through before we get to the categories. Now, again, this is not the objective best. These are our personal favorites. No, just just that. Just that what? Just this is our personal list. So this is not a definitive list. Uh, there are opinions, so they're not wrong. That's correct. Okay. Uh, let's start off, Ashley. Let's go comics. Yeah, so if I can't say science, the elements of dark energy, which is our graphic novel that came out this year, because that would be self-serving and silly, um, I definitely feel like there is only one answer for this, in my opinion, 
And it is House of X slash Powers of X, the two-part dovetailing kind of the same intro to the new ongoing X-Men title by Jonathan Hickman. And it was something that I only started to read because Jason encouraged me to read it, and he really, really enjoyed it. And him, uh, Jonathan Hickman, working with uh, Pepe Larraz and R.B. Silva, really gave the X-Men the swift kick in the pants that they needed, because in my opinion, uh, X-Men's been a mess since about mm, Battle of the Atom. And X-Men is one of my favorite properties, and I found this to be so magical, so inventive, so beautiful and so compelling. It's everything that I want an X-Men comic to be and yet somehow elevates the story and the form. And Jason, I don't know what your choice is, but I know this had to be in contention. So I'd love it if you would join me. In is that all you have to say about about the comic? Well, I'm, I'm giving you an opportunity oh, okay, to jump okay, in okay, too okay. if you want, because I know you really like this book as oh, well. Oh, okay. I was, I was, I was like, please go on more, <laughs> more. <laughs> I didn't want, I didn't want you to stop. Um, my choice is exactly the same: House of X and Powers of X. There's no other choice here. Um, of course, this is the Jonathan Heckman kind of reboot, sort of, even though it's not really a reboot because it's all about Charles Xavier's new master plan for mutant kind, and one that will bring mutants out of the shadows and in light. Now, the great thing about this book guys i know a lot of people i've seen this online i've seen a lot of people be like "Ah, the hype's too big i don't want to read it and i think the hype is perfect i bought this the first issue that came out which i believe was house of x number one it was the very first one i bought it because i wanted to see what jonathan hickman was going to do with it and i will say the idea of Making Krakoa the mutant nation, having mutants have their own sovereign nation is so different and new. And it's exactly what the X-Men were missing because the X-Men are about the future of humanity, futurism in all parts. So to me, to fully embrace that kind of legacy, that theme of X-Men really I think showed what the X-Men were missing for a very, very long time. X-Men is very much a a series that should always look for the future. Now, the other person, uh, you mentioned uh, Pepe Larez and R.B. Silver, who, you know, by the way, are not big names before this book. But I think now they should be superstars because they were amazing. But the one person, um, Ashley, that I think doesn't get enough credit is Tom Mueller, who is the designer of all of these books. He mm. designed all the new logos, the new X logo. He designed with Hickman. All those pages that you see in House of X, all the graphics were also co-designed by Tom Mueller. And it looks amazing. These data pages, I think, are so amazing. And they give you like sort of a documentary view into the status quo. Like there are timelines, there are all kinds of things. It makes it a more added experience. It really reminded me kind of of Watchmen, which I thought was great. Oh, interesting. I also think that this book takes a really great, takes really great advantage of the cast of characters that Hickman has chosen to populate the books with. Mm. Um, House of X is the one that reflects more of our familiar characters, powers of X. He is creating from um, classic tropes, a bunch of new characters who I thought were really incredible. Like I really, really love Rasputin. I really, really love Cardinal. Please Marvel make action figures of them. I want them so bad. But I think this is one of the first times that I think Nightcrawler has been used to great effect. I think. Oh, you take, should describe that page that you love. I think the take on Emma Frost is incredibly intelligent because I don't like Emma Frost. And this made me understand her utility. And I thought it was a very clever way to use her. And they put her in clothes. What a concept. And she was still beautiful and powerful. But there is a scene in um, 
House of X. I'm, I apologize. I don't know what the issue is. I don't have it open in front of me. They're the same thing. Just it's fine. From this point forward, just let's just say House of X, and then it means all of it. I just meant I don't know if it's issue one or two or oh, three or okay. four or cool, five cool. or six. But you're certain it happens in House of X. Yes, it is because okay. it's the it's sort of the present day timeline, and they are our, our modern day mutants, which is kind. It's kind of the uncanny lineup is trying to infiltrate a space station and they have Nightcrawler Bamfing because, you know, he's doing some recon and they place him in the negative space in between the panels. And he's so beautifully drawn and it's such a clever way to show that he lives in this liminal space when he's using his powers. It's so intelligent. It's something that I've never seen before. And I think Nightcrawler should be equal parts very beautiful and very scary because, you know, he's described as being an elf or very elf-like or a demon. And I think for me, both Laraz and Silva really capture that balance when they're drawing Nightcrawler or, or sort of a Nightcrawler adjacent character like Cardinal. Uh, since Todd Nuck was drawing the solo series, they are my favorite artists to take on Nightcrawler. And if you're longtime listeners, you know that he is my favorite character. So I just remember being like swept away and zooming in closer and closer and closer because I thought he was so stunning. Um, and Jason, I don't know if you were going to talk about this, but I know you're a big Summers family and they also feature pretty heavily in this saga. Well, Scott does. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Summers family is more a bigger part of the ongoing X-Men title. Mm-hmm. Which I think, um, you know, it's a little unfair to like group it in, but it's weird because I think part of the success of Powers of X and House of X is that it really does make the X-Men seem like a world. Because mm-hmm. when you think about it, like what's the biggest complaint the X-Men have had for like the last, I don't know, 20 years since Claremont, that there are too many characters. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel that this is the first X-Men story and probably since Grant Morrison's run that makes it feel like a world. Yes, there are thousands of mutants and they all kind of know each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, I actually thought the scene, slight spoilers for this, um, there's a scene where Apocalypse and Charles Xavier break bread and mm-hmm. they they become sort of allies mm-hmm. and you're like, what am I reading here? Like, what is this? But and Mr. Sinister kind of has a moment like that. There's a well. great Mr. Sinister issue mm-hmm. in this run. Um, it, you know, I would say the reason why House of X and Powers of X quickly jumped to the top of my list is that it is so unexpected. And I think it should go to say that, like, you know what? This is proof positive that we shouldn't fear all reboots mm-hmm. or retcons. Mm-hmm. or Because, again, like, I keep calling this a reboot, but it's really not a reboot. It's, it's just a brand new writer. It sort of is, though, you know? Yeah. It sort of is. Because it it's is, great. like, doing something. I mean, there, it's also the reason why we're not explaining a lot of it is because, like, it is so dense that, like... It's hard to talk about it and not spoil it. It's hard not to just, yeah, give away the twist. But uh, Jason also mentioned when he was talking about it that X-Men should be forward-thinking. And there is a reveal feel that leads into the X-Men series about a few of these characters and their relationships that I thought was very forward thinking and a really intelligent use of what the X-Men can represent and I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, I think it's really great. it was cool. I mean, I think we um, I think we've said all, I think uh, think we've put it to bed. Do you have any um, also rands or honorable mentions that you want to share? Yes, I do. I just really quickly want to tell everybody, like like we do every year, um, certain categories we will have in the GHL recommended reading, of course, at geekhearswilson.com slash recommended reading. It won't be every category but you know comics will definitely be there so we'll have a link to this they have an amazing an amazing I own it the amazing House of X Powers of X hardcover man you want to see how to put together a collected edition Mm -hmm. the way that book is laid out if you are like a nerd for that kind of thing Mm -hmm. really well designed collection Um, yes I do Um, 
I actually have honorable mentions, I think, for almost all my categories. So do I. So, um, Ashley, what were your um, almost made it to your lists? So the two things that were published this year that almost made it to my list were Immortal Hulk, which I talked about Ah, a lot in our Hulk episode, just because it kind of gave me the same sort of feels that House of X, Powers of X gave me. Like a reinvention kind of thing? Yeah. It's a great book. It took this character and gave it a really smart twist that was very thoughtful and really showed how to use them to their best utility. And then DC uh, Kids put out a really great book called Diana Princess of the Amazons. Funny fact, I think it just came out last this week. Uh, yeah, it, it's, <laughs> or last it's week. It's pretty recent. Yeah. It's so cute. It's so charming. Um, I've wavered a little bit on the new line of DC Kids books, but for me, this really exemplifies really good. what is special about that line. And then I read a book this year that um, actually came out a couple years ago called Claws. It is uh, Grant Morrison's, or maybe Klaus, Grant Morrison's take Klaus. on and Dan Morris' take on the Santa Claus mythos. And I just thought it was really cool and really underappreciated, and I would like people to go read it. So how about you? What almost made your list? Um, Well, the things that almost made my list, I think, are Far Sector. Mm -hmm. That is the new Young Animal Green Lantern title. Had two issues come out this year. It's great. Um, Deceased. Deceased Mm -hmm. is amazing. The Tom Taylor, like, DC Zombies. Ed Brubaker's Criminal was mm. killer this year. Yeah, it you was, got into that this year. It was really good. It's probably the best it's ever been. And then I just recently re-read this. It's a book by a newer publisher, uh, Sentient by TKO Studios. was mm. amazing, uh, written by the great Jeff Lemire. I also wanted to give some quick shout-outs to some books that friends of ours worked on okay. uh, that came out this year that were really cool, including The Only Living Girl, Trios, Kill Switch, Darby, Canto, Dear Justice League. Dear Justice League is so good, guys. Deceased, They Call Us Enemy, and Jimmy Olsen. Those are all really good books that we know cool people who work on. Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen. Sorry. I got that full title on that. Sorry, Steve. Yeah, <laughs> um, okay, let's move on into movies. Yes. Um, I don't know about you, Ashley, but for me, this was the most difficult category. It was for me, too. Uh, Jason and I have had many versions of this discussion in the last couple of weeks because we've been to a lot of holiday parties. Very, uh, very blessed to be invited. But I thought that 2019 was an interesting year for movies because... I saw a lot of really cool things that the more time I spent thinking about or reading about, I came to enjoy more. I saw a lot of things that were creative, big swings, but imperfectly executed. But I would rather see things like that than the same old, same old. But for this category, in the past, I've always had a very strong feeling and I didn't have a strong feeling. I spent a lot of time thinking about this category this year. So, yeah. Do you... Have anything else you want to say about no, movies in 2019? I'm very curious about what your choice is then. I, I think my choice is a pretty obvious choice. Um, and it's a movie that I did not get to see in theaters. And I saw later and my immediate reaction was, I don't know if I like this, but I really come around on it. And that is uh, Midsommar starring Florence Pugh, written and directed by Ari Aster. Uh, following the death of Danny's parents, she and her boyfriend travel to Sweden to visit their friend's rural hometown for its fabled midsummer festival. But what begins as an idyllic retreat quickly devolves into an increasingly violent and bizarre competition at the hands of a pagan cult. It has a lot of things in it that I really like. It has pagan imagery. It has really beautiful nature scapes. It has a feminist perspective. And it's scary without being gory. I really have come to appreciate 
uh, horror that comes from a more psychological perspective. I think we're in a golden age of horror right now, kind of like the eighties must have felt when slashers were first wait, coming into. Can vote. I ask you a weird question? Like, what do you think started that? Like, is there a movie that you think kicked that off? Was it Get Out? I think Get Out is the easy answer. Because um, I would argue maybe Hereditary kicked it off. Um, Hereditary, I think, is also an easy answer. Um, I think there were probably cooler, weirder indie things that oh, sure. that led up to this. I'm not deep in sure, the sure. horror Sure, sure. And I don't landscape. mean to sideline your, your, your no, choice No, that's okay. Um, just because sometimes it gets too much for me and I can't take it. But yeah, probably But I, I agree with you. We are, in a golden, we are in a golden age of horror right mm-hmm. now, I think. And get out. And some of my also rands also kind of fall into this category. Um But Ari Aster in this interview, which actually you told me about, Mm -hmm. said that he looked at this movie for Danny Florence Pugh's lead character, that for her, this is a tragedy that turns into a wish fulfillment story. Whereas for the rest of the largely male cast members, it's a a pagan cult horror movie. And I thought that was really an interesting way to unpack it. And these are this movie is like it's weird and it's challenging and it's too long but it's the thing that's brought me the most delight and the most the more I reflect on it, I share a lot of cool art inspired by it um, on my Instagram. So because it's the thing that stuck with me the most, that's why I wanted to feature it. Um, but do I think you could cut 25 minutes out oh, of it? Oh, yeah. Uh, absolutely. It's got... It's, I can't imagine watching the director's cut, which is a half an hour longer. Yeah. Yeah. I listened to an interview with him where he talked about it. And he was like, oh, I was very into French New Wave at the time. And you're like, uh-huh. That mm. makes sense. Yeah. But I just Some think there's... We say so. I just think there's something kind of delightful about it. And I would like to see more things made in this vein. This feels to me very much like The Witch. And I was like, I, oh, uh, cool. I have a weird prediction. I kind of think over the next three years, we're going to see a whole bunch of Midsummer copies. Oh, the way like like Wicker Man kind of had the same thing happen like, in the seventies. Yeah, like I think we're gonna see a bunch of weirdly, vaguely European horror movies where Girls kids with braids in their hair. Yeah, or kids. <laughs> yeah. yeah, kids go to forests somewhere in Europe and yeah. weird stuff happens. Yeah. I mean, honestly, um, I'm I'm not upset by that. So. No, but I, I think <laughs> but it's, nothing will be as good. No, nothing as will be as good. But, but I think this movie is gonna kick off a bunch of copycats. Uh, I think that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm, so I'm thinking back to your original question. What do I think kicked it off? I think it was actually probably James Wan. Because he's been making um, uh, Insidious, uh, Insidious, and then ooh, the Conjuring movies okay. for like maybe five years mm-hmm. before Hereditary. I think I think he's probably the progenitor of the current trend. Someone okay. who is smarter than us will tweet us and tell us what they think. But Jason, what is your best movie of 2019? This is a hard one for me. Mm-hmm. I um, thought about this a lot, and it's interesting because my choice is not. It's it's. Not in a lot of people's top tens. I think it's a movie a lot of people slept on. And um, it's also a movie that a lot of people um, ignored because they think, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a certain type of movie. And it's totally not. Um, my movie can be summed up with uh, one word. Varoom. And that is <laughs> Ford v Ferrari. Now, yes, I know it has a terrible name, and yes, I know it should. Pro- if you've seen the movie, it should be totally titled Seven Thousand RPM. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Europe, they call it Le Mans sixty six because, or it, or it should be called the Perfect Lap. There is a, or the Perfect Lap. Um, but this, of course, is the about the American automotive designer Carol Shelby, and features British race car driver Ken Miles as they battle corporate interference, the laws of physics, and their own personal demons to build a revolutionary vehicle for the Ford Motor Company. Where they plan to compete at the 24 Hours of Le Mans in France in 1966. This was directed by James Mangold, of course, the creator and director of Logan and uh, three, the new 310 to Yuma. Um, 
I've heard so many people describe this as a dad movie. They describe this as like, oh, the mediocre white man movie. I've heard this described as like, oh, that's a boring car movie. And yes, I agree with you that that's the way it's advertised. That is not what this movie is at all. This movie is about a man, when you took a Ken Miles played by Christian Bale, a man who is so uncompromising. He will not compromise. He will not compromise. He will not compromise. And that sort of leads him on this life journey that will take him straight to Le Mans. And then he has faced with the ultimate decision. Does he compromise or does he not? And when you see what he chooses and and why? And why? Because he doesn't do it for himself. Yes, and and, I, and again, again, I have to talk loosely around this because it's the climax of the movie, um, and how what happens to him after that. It's like heartbreaking, mm-hmm. especially when you look at this man's life. And I also think that Matt Damon gives a tour de force performance. Uh, did I even say that right? You did fine. All right. Um, he gives an amazing performance as Carol Shelby. And, you know, Matt Damon's somebody that a lot of people will slept on as well. The, Matt Damon is so good. Yeah, he's really I know good. he's easy to make fun of because he's and, Batman's friend. And, but. Uh, but when I think about this year, this is the movie that I keep thinking about. And I, I guess I keep thinking about it because I'm like, I did not expect it mm-hmm. to be this good. I expected it just to be a solid dude movie about a car race. And it's so not that. It is. Mm-hmm. I mean... I also like have to give mad credit that there's no CGI in the car races. They, Except removing like um, safety harnesses and stuff. Yeah, things yep. like that. Vector and camera rigs. Yeah. yeah, but they actually shot these cars. Mm-hmm. They shot real cars. Which Going is, real fast. By the way, fun fact, I don't know if you know, but in most Hollywood movies now, if you see any kind of car chase, about 75% of the cars you see on the road are fake. Also, I don't know if listeners, particularly to this podcast, know this, but uh, Jason is really into cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like cars <laughs> um, a lot. And so this kind of reflects, I think, a different portion of your interest that maybe people are used to hearing about. And that's cool. Yeah, I thought it was great. And I, I think my greatest argument for this uh, movie is you, uh, Ashley, because like mm-hmm. I begged you to see this movie with me. I said, don't make me see the car movie. Um, <laughs> and you were not looking forward to it. Nope. And then you walked out loving it. I think this movie's great. Um I think I think this is the this is in my also rants list. This is I think the most perfect, well executed movie I've seen this year. But, oh, it's a good like it's just, everybody is at master level. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But um, I also think in a lot of ways, compared to like some of the other things that we're going to talk about that didn't make our list, um, I think because of that, it feels like less quote unquote to use a buzzword unique, edgy. Yeah, you know what I There's mean. There's nothing Whereas, edgy like, about this movie. Midsummer feels edgy. Yeah, and it feels For, cool. Ford v Ferrari. Is like the Ford they build in the movie. Yeah, yeah. It is. It is. Every piece works. It works well, Mm -hmm. but it's not a flashy car. Also, there's like a bunch of superhero adjacent people in this. Yeah, I mean John Bernthal as uh, Lee (laughs) Iacocca. Um, I will also say this, and and I'm not trying to think about what. Yeah, you 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 nailed it on the head. Like it's just a solid. Like it's a well crafted. It's a well crafted movie. Everyone's at the top of their game. And I also will say this movie is two and a half hours long. I don't think you ever fill the length. Not no. once. Uh, we saw this and then we saw The Lighthouse not too long after mm-hmm. it. And The Lighthouse is only like less than two hours long. Yeah. It feels like it's about four. The Lighthouse, yeah, feels and like And I like The Lighthouse. I like but... The Lighthouse too. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, The Lighthouse feels like it's four hours long. Midsummer <laughs> feels like it's four hours long. I mean, Midsummer is almost four hours. 4V Ferrari, it's like... You get to the final race and you're There's just... about one race too long. Yeah, I agree with you. But there, but there is like... You never feel the length. I yeah, feel like yeah, yeah. even in the fi- uh, Le Mans is like the main race mm-hmm. of the movie. 
they're probably at Le Mans for half an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you never get bored with and it. And you've seen two Le Mans before that, or you've yes. heard about them. Yes. So um, to me, it's a very well-paced movie. It's a very excellent movie. Again, it's hard not to talk about without going into all these details, uh-huh. but like, it is just a solid movie that I think everybody slept on. And... It will not get any awards. Because it's not trendy because it's the dad movie. Because it's the dad movie. Mm-hmm. And and you know what? Just because it's the dad movie doesn't mean that it's, it's bad. No. I think it means it's great. Dads it was, are great. It was easily my favorite movie of the year. Um, some of my also rounds, my honorable mentions, um, this is a movie that I also hear nobody talking about, and it was great. Dolomite is my name. Didn't see it. Is the Netflix movie starring uh, Eddie Murphy about mm-hmm. making Dolomite. If you have any interest in movies or creating things, I beg you to watch Dolomite is my name because that movie is about a guy that was told the for the entire movie he could not make his movie, he could not make his movie, and he makes his movie. Mm-hmm. And it works. And it's kind of heartlifting. It's, it's gonna, um, it kind of gives you a warm feeling inside. Um my other ones are The Farewell. I thought The Farewell I was the amazing. I The Farewell on my list as well. And also uh, something we recently saw, actually just yesterday, 1917. I was definitely going to bring up 1917. I think people are sleeping on that as well for the same reason, because people tend to think that uh, war movies are only yeah. made for mm-hmm. uh, old white guys, and uh, that's just not true. I think... I think the double punch this year of They Shall Not Grow Old and 1917. Oh, yeah, They Shall Not Grow yeah, Old. Yeah, which so is the, P- the Peter Jackson recolorized yep. documentary. Um, was that this year? That yes. was last year. I thought it was this year. I could be wrong. I thought it was last year. Uh, well, you can Google it while I talk a nah. little bit. Um, I just think, you know, we're 100 years past World War One. Yes. And I was I was pleasantly surprised to see that Hollywood is still well. War one, you're right. World War one is becoming more fashionable. Yeah, you know it's 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 kind of been the forgotten war. And you know what? Weirdly, I give Wonder Woman as the kickoff for that one because you know it's set in World War One. Um, I also want to say that uh, Jojo Rabbit was great. Yep. Ready or Not was great. Jason's brought that mm-hmm. up a lot. Another one people slept on. And then I think we all forget that we kind of kicked off this year's great movies with Us. Yeah, Us was released very February. early. Yeah. yeah, they dropped the trailer on Christmas last year. It didn't come around on Valentine's Day as well? Yeah, February. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, uh, Us, again, not a perfect movie. Definitely not as good as Get Out. But if that's the kind of movie that Jordan Peele can um, mm-hmm. show out in less than two years, great. And... Um, Winston Duke was really funny in it, so mm-hmm. I liked it a lot. Cool. Let's move on into comic book movies. Now, we added this category a couple years ago because we were getting such a mad influx of comic movies. because we both wanted to put Doctor Strange as our yeah. number one movie. But uh, <laughs> that's not true. But we, we wanted to put Doctor Strange. We wanted to talk about Doctor Strange. Yeah. Um, but the actual truth of this year is that there weren't that many comic book movies this year. Uh, no, the actual truth of this year is there's one good comic book movie. Uh, I, would, I don't have any also rants on this one. I do. Because I don't think any of the other ones were good. Okay, well then I'm very <laughs> I'm very curious. What is your best comic movie of 2019? I mean, it has to be Avengers Endgame. Of course, there's, that's mine like, too. There's, there's the, no other choice. And, and I'm going to be honest, we can kind of zip over this category because I don't know if we can say anything about it that we haven't already said. Mm-hmm. Um, because everyone, at least in terms of our amazing listeners to this podcast, everyone knows about this movie. We're not going to say anything that's going to be Yeah, I mean, it's the, the, the end of the Marvel Cinematic mm-hmm. Universe, basically, mm-hmm. um, where the Avengers fight Thanos one more time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's... That's, it's. I mean, well, let, let's. We actually haven't really talked about this movie on the podcast that much. So let's just. Why is it the obvious winner? 
Um, because this movie is catharsis personified. Mm-hmm. All of the tension and all of the love that we have been throwing toward this universe for over a decade now. We get a big release in this movie um, to the point where the progenitor of it sacrifices himself for the characters in the movie, but also for us, the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the first movie that or the first franchise that really feels like they are daring to close the book on something. It's a lesson that Star Wars really could have used. And I, it's it feels like the end of an era because this is the first time where we don't know if these characters are coming back because uh, some of them died and some of their contracts are up mm-hmm. and there hasn't been a big push as there has been in the past to ensure that contracts are renewed. Marvel Studios is really embracing the moving on point. Mm-hmm. We'll but, see. We'll see. Well, they are theoretically mm-hmm. at the time of this recording. That's what the PR seems yeah. to be saying. Um, some of us know about certain things. That's not going to be the case. Mm-hmm. But and and for me, it's an interesting point to be in because Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It leaves the door open for me personally of do I need to see more Marvel movies mm-hmm. going forward? I mean, it's a, it's like the greatest final episode of a television show mm-hmm. that was seen in a movie theater mm-hmm. is what it is. And But let's also say this. They pulled it off. Like mm-hmm. they did pull this off. Now, do I think this movie is too long? Oh, yeah. Way too long. Um, but that end battle mm-hmm. is something that uh, us, Cap catching the hammer. us comic book fans have been dreaming of seeing because when uh, I mean, we're going spoiler heavy here, guys. So sorry. I mean, if you haven't seen this movie, I, I don't know where you've been living. If you haven't seen it, you don't want at this point. You don't want to. You don't want which to. Is also fine. Yeah, because it's also been on Blu-ray for a couple months yeah, now, too. Yeah. Um, when we get the Avengers Assemble moment. Yeah, finally. It is just triumphant. And the Alan Silvestri score. I mean, the Russo brothers pulled it off. Mm-hmm. They really, really did. And Marcus and McFeely, these screenwriters, we can't leave them off. They, it, this movie worked. Mm-hmm. And again, this is another one of those movies where like from the outside, you're like, there's no way this movie works. Yeah. There's no way this movie works. And it works. And it works so well that I think you do have a valid argument. Like, And I kind of agree with you that does this close the book on the MCU so much so that we don't need to see anything else going forward? I don't know if I'm... Uh... I'm not going to see anything else, but I I definitely no longer feel the need to see everything. I agree. I agree. Uh, There are two movies that are slated to come out that I'm really excited for. And the ones that I'm not, I don't feel that pressure that I used to feel. Mm -hmm. This is also um, Avengers Endgame kind of does what the original Avengers movie did. It's the first of its type in this genre, Mm -hmm. which is cool. Yeah. So you said you had also rants for this guy. I do. I wrote, honestly, none. (laughs) I... I think you cannot talk about 2019 
without talking about Joker. That is my honorable. Mention. Well, I didn't see it. Yeah, um, um, you can. You cannot. And, fine. and looking at the list mm-hmm. of this year, it's the only other one to me that, that would be even close. That is even close. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I don't think it's anywhere near as good as Avengers mm-hmm. Endgame, but just from a cinematography. And even a storytelling perspective, you have to consider it in contention of this because I think Joker is going to define the next 10 years of comic book movies Mm -hmm. because I think for good and for bad, the good way is, is that I think Joker is going to prove to studios, oh, we don't have to be as safe mm-hmm. with these heroes and these villains anymore. We also don't have to be the MCU. Yes, um, exactly. Having not seen it, the Joker appears to be the antithesis to yes. super shiny a, Disney Marvel. A singular one-off, mm-hmm. even though they're going to make a sequel to it, yeah. but not connected to mm-hmm. any shared universe. Because like, that's all it's been for the last 10 years is people like all these other franchises trying to build shared universes and failing. Yeah. Um, even Star Wars failed at that. Um, so I mean... That's debatable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, well, Star Wars is debatable as well because they're willy nilly about what they connect and what they yeah, don't. Yeah, and yeah. you're just sometimes it gets very frustrating. Look, some of us are still here waiting for Jason and Jaina to show up. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, so Joker is again for the good things that it, it, I think it's going to prove to studios like, oh, we don't have to be safe anymore. The downside is is that I think it's going to also give studios a lesson of like, oh, you know what? People want more villains and more violence. Yeah, and for me personally, again, this is just my opinion, that's not necessarily what I want from every superhero. I think there are superheroes and villains Mm -hmm. uh, that can definitely use that kind of edge. I think Moon Knight should take that lesson. Sure. Um, To be honest with you... But I don't need my Teen Titans. Yeah. You know, I don't need Batman. Well, that's a different issue than than this one, but... Um, I mean, I to be honest with you, what Joker proved to me is that I would love to see a one-off Punisher uh, movie. Oh, yeah? Like, I would Blood love to fall? see that uh, that one-off Punisher movie. You know, like, you could do a lot of, like, think about it. You could do some MCU movies that don't connect to anything else in the MCU that are just one-off amazing stories like Joker. Because the MCU is all about, we got to connect to the next thing, we got to connect to the next thing. Again... I think you have to talk about Joker because Joker, whether we like it or not, and again, there's all these arguments about Joker, but you have to judge Joker on the only thing you can judge it on, the movie, the art. Did the art succeed? And and to me, I'm sorry, the answer is yes. It, it really is. That movie succeeds. That movie, uh, I think, tells a compelling story. It's a story I've seen before. That's why it's not my number one. Mm. Um, and Joaquin Phoenix is pretty astounding in it. But... I understand all the issues that are very problematic um, around it. And Joker, I think more so than Avengers Endgame, is going to, like I said, it's going to define the next decade of superhero movies. Mm. More so than Endgame. I'll put a a million dollars on it right now. Sure. But uh, yeah, in in terms of the other ones, I didn't want to put any of them on my list. I I didn't either. Um, (laughs) They were just like, I just didn't love them. That's all. They're fine. There's nothing wrong with them. but yeah, when I, when I, after Avengers Endgame, I was like, you know what was the best movie of 2019? Rewatching Spider-Verse. Like. <laughs> <laughs> well, but see, that's the thing. To me, I think in, in, com- in different ways, Avengers Endgame and Joker raised the bar so much mm-hmm. that when those other movies just gave us a normal superhero movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. we were like, oh, this is boring. 
Yeah. This is boring. Yeah. Because um, that's what I felt about the rest of them. I was like, this is boring. I agree. Um, so now I'm like, you got to elevate. Like, you've got to get up to that table mm-hmm. now. So anyway, speaking of uh, getting up to that table, guys, if you've been liking our movie talk so far, um, I think you're going to want to check out the Geek History Lesson Extra episode on our Patreon at patreon.com slash jawman, where we're going to be talking about the best of the decade. So we're going through comics, movies, and television, talking about the best of the decade. Um, so you want to go over there and support this free podcast so you can get more content from us, including Jason and Ashley's Excellent Adventures was an extra podcast, and also something soon that is coming called Blackest Night Club. <laughs> Yeah, just $1 a month makes a big difference and keeps this podcast free to you and helps support us. And thank you to our amazing patrons that do that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, Ashley, we're now to television. Mm -hmm. The thing that is not movies that you watch at the boob tube at home. Mm -hmm. What's your best television show of 2019? For me, it was pretty hard not to pick this because for me, this was the only event Television. It was the only thing that was highly anticipated. It was the thing that most people argued about. And it was the thing that I liked a lot. And it's Game of Thrones season eight. Oh, interesting. Um, I know it's very divisive. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fine. I didn't find anything surprising. In I didn't it. hate it. Um, I'll just say that. I didn't hate it. Game of Thrones season eight for me, I thought was a worthy wrap up to one of the greatest television shows of all time. I'm certain we're going to mention it more in our best of the decade list because it would be foolish not to. It changed. I think so. It changed this genre of television. It was, you know, one of the last water cooler shows that we had. Well, we thought so. Now there's a new one. Yes, there is. Um, Um, But but I don't watch that show, so I can't speak to it. Well, there's two. I was going to actually say, well, we'll talk about, uh, I was actually going to say The Mandalorian, I think, became the new water cooler show. But um, you are correct. No, I think no other show I would say with besides maybe The Walking Dead has defined television this decade than uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah. And, and you can't ignore that. And for me personally, I really liked the way all of the characters that I was invested in turned out. Because let's be honest, we're not all invested in all of the characters. Nope. So the characters that I cared about had great show outs. I think it had some of the best performances from single actors. I don't think it's a perfect episode, a season of television. I think we really could have done with 12 episodes instead of just longer uh, and a shorter episode order. I think the uh, battles were great. I think it did new things on the show. And I think if you're one of those people who's trying to backward engineer that you didn't like this season and so you didn't like the series, I think you're cutting yourself short. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the show is incredibly important and it just hits on so many things that I like. And as a fan who did walk away from the show and came back to it, I'm so pleased that it turned out as wonderfully as it did. And in a lot of ways, even though like my most favorite character died, all of the characters that I was really, really invested in got a happy ending. Even if it wasn't they got married and had children and drove off into the sunset, like they all kind of got what they needed as they were introduced in the first season. So for me, for this list, there was no other choice. It was the only, one of the only things that I watched the day it came out, week to week. And I'm sad that we're not getting any more Game of Thrones. I know there are other shows in development, but it won't be the same. No. And uh, so I'm sad that the show's over, so I, I wanted to talk about Game of Thrones again. <laughs> So that's my it's my favorite show of the year. Cool. Uh, I'm pretty sure I know what yours is, Jason. Um, 
Well, my best show of 2019 is also an HBO show, and that is uh, the one that I never thought I would have put on this list um, at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. It's Watchmen. Mm-hmm. It is Watchmen without uh, any... It's far and away Watchmen. You and President Obama. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, he's with me. Um, just in case you don't know what the show is about, um, it's uh, based on the celebrated graphic novel by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons. This series takes place in Tulsa, Oklahoma, 34 years after the original story. After a white supremacist attack on the local police department, which leaves only two surviving cops in the beat, laws are passed that allow the cops to hide their identities behind masks. One of these cops, Angela Abar, adopts the identity of Sister Knight and fights racists while dealing with the decades-long legacy of vigilantes um this was basically uh damon lindelof's risky but insanely uh satisfying attempt to remix the comic masterpiece by alan moore and dave gibbons um and to be honest with you damon lindelof has been taking a lot of risks since lost the mm-hmm. leftovers were was amazing and again you, you can like or hate damon lindelof but the thing that damon lindelof does is he pushes television forward every time he does it because because he never plays it safe there is an episode in this season called this extraordinary bean it's episode six and it literally gives you kind of the story of um uh, of a kind of a black man walking through 1930s to 1950s america and how he deals with it and it is one of the best episodes of television I've ever, ever seen. Now, um, I know a lot of people are like, well, but Damon Lindelof is a white guy. I understand that. Um, Damon Lindelof has been doing a lot of press behind the series. And this this series is is very much about race. And he's revealed that uh, more of his writer's room was diverse than it wasn't. He had more women than he had men. But see, um, that shows that. You know, he's obviously a white guy who enjoys a certain level of privilege and he's used his powers for good. Exactly. exactly, (laughs) And that's why I want to make sure that's out, because, again, the thing that's amazing about this is that the Watchmen comic book um, dealt with the most prevalent issue of the age. And that was the Cold War. And if you were to talk about what is the most prevalent issue of 2019, I think the race relations in America and their and their relationship to police Mm -hmm. might be the biggest issue. Uh, And and it. It, nothing in the show was spoon fed and nothing. Um, uh, I think you can watch the show without having read the original Watchmen comic and you still get the, it's satisfying. Um, and it's so interesting because um, it was just extraordinary. It was the it was the most challenging and yet satisfying and yet so emotionally real. Angela Abar, played by Regina King, I think is one of the most realistic women I've seen on television in a long, long time. Time. Like, uh, casting carryover from the leftovers. Yes, yes, but her character is so real, and and again, it's one of these things where um, you can go over to our good friends, uh, the Fanbrace Press. That mm-hmm. we, I was on their Watchmen episode where we talked two hours about the entire series. Mm-hmm. So I'll go more in depth in there if you want to check it out. We but, also talked a lot about the original book on our Watchmen Book Club episode. Watchmen Book Club. Um, it's just insanely satisfying. I would say even if you don't like Watchmen, you need to check out this show. Um, like I said, that Joker was going to define the next 10 years mm-hmm. of uh, superhero comic movies. Watchmen is going to define the next 10 years of superhero television. It's funny. I have no doubt about that. I think Watchmen is the one that has most picked up the baton from Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. even though it is it's still genre, but it's very different. Like they're very antithetical to each other. And I think a lot of people expected his Dark Materials to do that. Now, I haven't seen it, so can't speak to it's it. It's funny. The reviews on Watch- Dark Materials are mixed. 
Uh, I think we'll probably like it. Yeah, but, yeah, we haven't seen it yet. Um, I think Watchmen is really the one in the HBO camp. Yes, that's gonna even pull though, away. And, and that's the other thing. Damon Lindelof built this as a one season show. It's definitely getting the season. It's never two. gonna happen. Um, it's every point that this show could have done the most predictable thing, it didn't. Can I ask you who is your favorite of the new cast of characters? Because I know there's some new ones and some old ones. I can't say without giving away a spoiler. Okay. <laughs> I can't say. Okay, that's fine. Um, all I will say is that, oh, oh man, what is his name? Um, he's the gentleman that played Black Manta. He plays Cal. Mm-hmm. He plays Angela's husband. It's it, um, His name is very is very difficult to say, and that's why I don't know it off the top of my head, uh, which I, I apologize. But Yaha Abdul-Mateen II. Yes, he is, I'm sure I pronounced that wrong. I apologize. It's me doing my best. He is fantastic. He's very handsome, and too. he. I think he's somebody to to watch. He is Cal. He's Angela's. Uh, he has a scene where he describes what death is to children, and I kind of think a lot of parents should uh, use that explanation. I've heard you talk about that. Actually, um, it's pretty great. Um, if you have not seen Watchmen, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. It is far and away no other television show. Every other television show in 2019 is about five miles behind Watchmen. Watchmen is that far. Watchmen is Carol Shelby lead. <laughs> the lead. A reference back to That's Four Very Far. back there, friends. Um, it, it's no other television channel came close. That's how transformative and amazing Watchmen is. And I will say this. Um, it's the one show that I heard everybody talk about on Monday. Mm. And it was one of those things where like every time I went to work and I hadn't seen it, I was like, oh, it's going to be rough because <laughs> everybody wanted to talk about it. Yeah, but you're also in an environment where people like to talk about television. Well, and I'm very thankful for that job. Yes. Um, Ashley, what are some honorable mentions that made it up there? Um, I almost put this as my choice, but we have not finished it yet. So I didn't think that was fair. Um, I think The Crown Season 3 is unfathomably good. Mm-hmm. Um, I apologize to any of our UK listeners who are really into the royals. I think modern royals are dumb and should be done away with. And Jason keeps pointing out that they take these characters who um, we are not particularly invested in. and they They're really, terrible people. They really make... Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, Prince Harry. I know you're listening. <laughs> yeah, hey, you buddy. And, you and Megan come on the show anytime. Yeah, sure. We'll talk about Fringe. <laughs> <laughs> she was on Fringe. Uh, I, know she, I, I was telling the listeners. I know she was. <laughs> uh, yep, she sure. Oh boy. Anyway, um, they take these characters that I'm not particularly interested in at face value and manage to make real drama yep. out of them. Um, the Crown season three is in my honorable mention. It's as well. really just sharp. Any other ones? Top television. Doom Patrol. Oh, I, I forgot about Doom, Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol yep. is so good, and Doom Patrol should be stupid embraces the stupid and is still really thoughtful, really emotional and good superhero TV. Mm -hmm. Um, And then something that Jason doesn't care about at all. This year, RuPaul's Drag Race started Drag Race UK, and I thought it was weird and delightful uh, and a refreshing spin on a reality TV show that I can see the formula of a mile away. I thought it was Wonderful. Well, just because of that, uh, you know what? Rust Valley Restores you can, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, was a great television show on Good Netflix. Canadian content great right Canadian there. content. Great Canadian content. One show I think you forgot, uh, Better Call Saul, had its fourth was season. this year? Yes, it was. Oh, boy. Um, at the beginning of this year, it was astoundingly great. 
Um, I do agree with the Crown season three. Mm-hmm. Another show that came out this year that was amazing, What We Do in the Shadows. So good. Um, and then we would be, I would be remiss to, mo- to not mention The Good Place, mm-hmm. which uh, literally made me cry this year. Mm-hmm. And also uh, another HBO show, Barry. Barry had its second season this year, which was very, very good. Yeah, we're definitely in a golden age of television as this year illustrates. It's so good. But yeah, I agree with you. Crown season three almost took my number one. Like so it, it took it almost took my number one. But again, we haven't finished it. So, um, all right. Now it's time to talk about books with mostly pictures, Ashley. With mostly pictures. Yeah. Because some I of think these. you mean with mostly words. Well, mostly words. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's correct. Um, for me. I uh, use the words real good here. Yeah, you did a great job. Mm-hmm. Me speak real well. Much better. Aren't you supposed to be a professional writer? <laughs> uh, for That's what me, spell checks for, baby. This is not a book that came out this year. Uh, and this is a book that my mom sent me her copy of. So it already came all jacked up and the spine was broken. And that is the... That means it's good. The, it just hurts me on the inside. It is The State of Wonder by Anne Pratchett. Anne Pratchett is most famous for writing Bel Canto and uh, The Magician's Assistant. Her books are consistently on things like the London Times, Thousands and One Books to Read Before You Die. She's a New York Times bestseller, award winner, all of that. Um, State of Wonder features a doctor from... Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Minnesota, who gets sent to the Amazon rainforest to collect the body of her colleague who was doing research there, and then she died. Is it fictional? It is fictional. Okay, it's okay, a novel. okay. I was just very, very interested. Yes. No. And... She doesn't want to be there. She's not into it. And over the course of the time that she spends there, how it changes her perspective on how she is leading her life, how it changes her perspective on the world and on the way that people live. It's it's hard to describe it and make it sound urgent and make it sound really active. But it is it's a novel in the truest sense. You live inside this woman's head you learn a lot about that part of the world and the way that native tribes and native medicine work. And I just thought it was the most wonderful thing I read. I got wrapped up in it. I was like reading. I took it and read it on the bus. I brought it everywhere with me so that I could finish it. And I spend a lot of time reading a lot of things that some people would consider uh, pulp. And this is at the opposite end of that, right? Like this is the, the one that um, critics love to hold up and, it's nice to be able to experience both and see the value in both. And I thought State of Wonder was really special. And I think that our listeners uh, would really, really be into it. So cool. State of Wonder by Anne Pratchett. Very, very excellent book. What is your prose book for the year? Well, actually, I think there is a prose book that stands high above the rest. Very high above the rest. And I think that is a book called Super Soldiers by this author known as Jason Inman. That hey, was published in 2019 in June. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to promote my own book that came out this year. Uh, but you go check it out on Amazon. Just saying there. Um, no, actually, I you think You can this, buy it from your website. Get a signed version that's of That's correct. <laughs> that's a better way to do it. Uh, JasonInman.com. Um, no, actually, um, I think this might be a first. 
my number one book of this year actually did come out this year. Nice. Came out in February 2019. It's uh, Wild Bill, The True Story of the American Frontier's First Gunfighter. Now, uh, this is by Tom Clavin. And the synopsis is, in July of 1865, Wild Bill Hickok shot and killed Davis Tutt in Springfield, Missouri, the first quick-draw duel on the frontier, and thus began the reputation that made him a marked man to every gunslinger in the Wild West. Now, I started reading this book as a research for another script that I was reading that involves a cowboy, and I quickly like kind of fell in love with um, Wild Bill Hickok, which I who I knew some stuff from because I'd mm-hmm. watched Ed Wood, the television show, but I didn't know that much about him, and I also didn't know that much that he spent a lot of time in Kansas. He spends a lot of time in Kansas, and so there's a lot of interesting things about uh, how he meets Calamity Jane and how he meets Buffalo Bill, uh, Buffalo Bill Cody, and all this kind of stuff like that. It means Here's the thing. I don't know how much you know about Wild Bill Hickok, but he's considered to be like the model for every gunslinging cowboy you see in movies. Mm. Um, apparently, he supposedly killed 100 men in duels. That's a lot. Yeah. And because you think about the odds of that, mm-hmm. like the odds that this guy did 100 quick draw rule duels and won them all mm-hmm. um you know and that's why the sad thing comes is when you find out how he died well he was shot in the back at a poker game mm. um so uh there you go that it was just it was just fascinating to me um i, I that's why i like reading nonfiction a lot of times because you i think sometimes and most of the times fact is stranger than fiction so that's my uh, book wild bill the true story of the american frontiers First gunfighter. Uh, do you have any honorable mentions? Yes, a book that actually did come out in February of this year is Comics Will Break Your Heart by Faith Aaron Hicks. It is a book that I was bullied into reading by Stephen Schleicher, who kept saying, it's so good, you should read it, you'll really, really like it. Mm-hmm. And I have a bunch of Faith Aaron Hicks. She's a Canadian uh, cartoonist and writer. I have a bunch of her comic books, and I've always thought she was really great. I think she's an Eisner winner. And uh, this is her first prose foray, and it is set in Atlantic Canada, which is where my family is from. It's where my mother lives, and um, culminates in a trip to San Diego Comic-Con, and it kind of explores a relationship between a Jack Kirby and a Stan Lee-like figure, uh, and the grandchildren of those figures, and uh, how they fall in love. It's really cute. It's really well written. I read it in two days. I thought it was really wonderful. And then I also really enjoyed High Magic by Damien Eccles. Uh, Damien Eccles is a really prominent figure in the West Memphis 3 true crime case. I think he's a very, very interesting man. And this was his first book after he wrote his memoirs about his time, about his exploration of spirituality and philosophy. And I thought it was really, really cool. Do you have any also rants? Uh, The Topeka School, which I don't forget the author, but it was on former President Obama's uh, list of the top 100. And then um, also Wanderers by Chuck Wendig. Nice. There you go. All right, let's go into podcasts that are not ours. Ashley, what did you think was the best podcast of 2019? For me, this is a pretty new podcast app to my rotation, but I wanted to mention the A24 podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, A24 is a production company. They make really cool movies like Midsommar and The Farewell and Eighth Grade and Hereditary and Lady Bird and Moonlight and The Witch and all of those, all of the, when you think of cool, quote unquote, edgy films uh a24 is at the at the forefront of that right now and all of their podcast episodes are conversations between creatives who work on their movies and they try to put them around a theme so they had robert eggers and ari aster who did the lighthouse and midsummer specifically talking about ingmar bergman and how that inspires their work i think it's a really interesting conceit for a podcast i wish they would come out more regularly they do not have a regular release schedule 
But if you are a film nerd or you want to work uh, in any capacity in that industry, I think it's really, really worth a listen. And there's only about 12 episodes so far, so it's really easy to catch up on. Nice. How about you, Jason? Uh, mine is far and away. I discovered this was the year I discovered Blank Check by mm-hmm. uh, Griffin and David, hosted by Griffin Newman and David Sims. Uh, it's where they talk about directors that are have a significant success and then are offered a figurative blank check to pursue their passion projects. Uh, most episodes focus on a single movie from a director's filmography. It's very crazy. Uh, David Sims is a film critic and Griffin Newman, you best know him as the Arthur from The Tick. I think I you mean that trivia host from Crisis on Infinite Earths? I mean, I guess, but um, <laughs> he's more famous in other roles. But, um, you know, it's a very fun podcast. It's a very interesting podcast and it's a podcast kind of like ours where you can kind of jump around and mm-hmm. do all just listen to the episodes that you want to listen to um they also covered miyazaki this year which is very interesting um hey so did we I, mm-hmm. my honorable mentions uh, for this is there's a very fascinating npr podcast called it could happen here which is about mm-hmm. a fictional third american civil war or second excuse me not third oh the, boy well the second one was secret it was in the 40s um you know there's definitely an argument that. to be made about whether or not there's been a second civil war so. but not for this podcast mm-hmm. uh my also rands were one that i was put on to by jason called the newsworthy mm-hmm. um by erica mandy it is a 10 minute podcast that comes out every weekday and kind of goes over the major headlines and i think she's great and curates a really really great show mm-hmm. and it makes me feel more informed than i am and gives me a lot of their show notes are very extensive so you can do a lot of your own research which I think is cool. Uh, the Dream, which is about multi-level marketing and conspiracy theories. And then The Last Days of August. It was originally called The Butterfly Effect. And if you have tiny children, skip forward like two minutes. It examines the adult entertainment industry and how the digital world uh, changed that. What's and then the name of this podcast again? The last, it's for, so the first season is called The Butterfly Effect. Okay. And then the second season is called The Last Days of August. Because but do you find it under The Butterfly Effect? You can find it under either. Oh, okay. Um, and The Last Days of August, the second season explores the death of uh, an American adult actress and what in the industry led up to that. Mm-hmm. And it was a very, uh, very well-researched, very insightful, very psychologically frightening uh, look at that form of entertainment through a lens that I thought was very, very respectful and very down to earth. And I just thought it was so cool. So I wanted to shout it nice. out. Nice. Cool. Yeah. I didn't think there was anything for anybody to skip forward on that. Well, I don't know what people's respective sure, feelings are about adult entertainment. All right. So. Now <laughs> comes to the most self-indulgent section of the best of 2019 what we thought was the best geek history lesson mm-hmm. released in 2019. Now, we don't do this because we love ourselves. We do this actually because a, 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 a student of the Mind University suggested Asked, we do this. Yeah, yeah. Ashley, mm-hmm. it's time to get uh, pull out the report cards and uh, give ourselves an evaluation. Mm-hmm. What did you think was the best episode of our podcast in 2019? Well, this was a really easy um, choice for me because there's an episode that we released in 2019 about my favorite person in the world, and that's episode 242, Jason Inman. So that was my... Was that this year? This February, yeah. Oh, man. I forgot about that episode. <laughs> yeah. So, oh. Also, I'm not on that one, so it's not self-indulgent to say that I like that one. The that was a really good one. It is a really good one. Oh, I forgot about that one. <laughs> it's one of the only ones oh. I got to listen to and be like, oh, I'm enjoying this. I might change my answer now. <laughs> <laughs> You're allowed to. My wonderful mother. Yeah, it was to celebrate yeah. our five-year anniversary. Yeah. Shout out to Bernadette. She's great. Yeah, mm-hmm. she was great. That was a great episode. Yeah. Um, well, my, my not as good choice, 
Uh, actually, it was the Watchmen Book Club episode. Um, huh. I didn't write down the number because I'm bad. <laughs> um, but we had Matthew. Yes, you're bad. <laughs> yeah, we had we had Matthew Peterson on, and we went into Watchmen, the Watchmen twelve issue miniseries. And to be honest with you, I thought it was so good because I know you don't like the book. I tried to bail on it for literally three weeks. I'm in the, I'm in the middle of it, and Matthew loves it. But I thought the podcast was so good because we could have recorded three hours of that podcast. Mm-hmm. We only recorded an hour, but it was that good. The conversation was so compelling and it actually made me appreciate and kind of enjoy the book a little bit more than I had from just reading it. So Nice. But uh, that's my honorable mentions. I, you know, if I throw another one out here, I thought Kiki's our Kiki's Delivery Service episode was one of the best ones. I think our Howl's Moving Castle episode is really good. Yeah, because one That's of the, the progenitor of John Wick, yes. Yes, I was going to say like one of those. Is, I think it's Howl's Moving Castle is the one that kicked off the hashtag bonanza of the yeah. of 2019, where we're watching all these weird movies. So. I also the first one that we released of 2019 was Young Justice, and I just had a lot of fun teaching that one. Mm-hmm. So that one always comes to mind for me. Cool. All right. Well, that is it, uh, Ashley. They can find a bunch of this stuff. Um, of our choices they can purchase them mm-hmm. where can they do that you can purchase any not any you can purchase many of these choices if you go to geekhistorylesson.com slash recommended reading we have really easy widgets you click on them you buy them in your preferred form of consumption and a little bit of support comes back our way at no additional cost to you make Amazon pay us alright now we're going to be going into the honor roll which is the last section of the podcast where Ashley will be reading some of you, you guys if you go over to Apple Podcasts and you leave us a five star review you can write whatever you want and not only do you help us in the search algorithm of itunes but we read your five-star review on the air ashley well hang on jason if they're international oh yeah how do they want to be included? well if they're international you know because we can't read that you obviously have to take a screenshot and then you have to email that at geekhistorylesson at gmail.com mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we're looking at anybody especially we're looking uh, i'm want to see somebody from mexico i mean i'm still looking for kazakhstan so yep. let mm-hmm, us know mm-hmm so the first person joining the honor roll today is webslinger0498 who says noise I love listening to GHL it's great to hear other people's thoughts on comics it brings a lot of things to light that I've missed over the years and they recommend some pretty great books thanks guys noise well thank you thank you thank you they are also joined by crummy81 who says making a comeback grew up reading a lot when I was a kid but missed a lot because of availability in the area I grew up in but thank you to this podcast for helping me get reconnected to the stories and the characters I love and learning way more than I ever knew and the recommended reading helps so much can't wait each week for the new episodes keep up the awesome job and then rounding out our list of honor rollies this week is Malhana who says best podcast ever listening to you guys has changed my opinion of so many characters constructs and team ups I love listening to this podcast they really pack so much information into one podcast great job all in caps I'm DC all the way but never read any comic books until you guys I love Ashley's laugh and Jason's skits I listen to all the DC podcasts and I'm finishing up the last few Marvel podcasts. Enjoy every minute and never mind when you guys go over your time. I told you they didn't mind and they included a little when we go over the time emoji. Yeah. No, they care. They care. They got a stopwatch. So thank you to Malhana, Crummy81 and Webslinger0498. Welcome to the teacher's lounge. Jason, what is waiting for them today? Uh, Inside, Mr. Riley has a sculpture waiting for them. They can look at, but they can't touch. What is the sculpture of? Um, St. Augustine. 
I thought you were maybe going to go E.T. Nope. For Mr. Riley. No, 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 no. No, it was a different Mr. Riley. Okay. So, um, don't forget to subscribe to us on, of course, all of the places you can listen to podcasts. That is Spotify. That is Stitcher. That is Apple Podcasts. And don't forget uh, that you can suggest future lessons. Where, Ashley? You can do that at facebook.com slash geekhistorylesson, at Twitter at GHL Podcast, or geekhistorylesson.com. There's a bunch of ways to contact us in all of those places. And you can follow me on Twitter at Jawin, J-A-W-I-I-N. Follow Ashley on Twitter at Ashley V. Robinson. And now, um, you know what? I think to start off the new year, let's not do a hashtag stick around. Let's just say goodbye to the listeners. Let's, I you know. I have a question for you and everything. Oh, you do? We do. Okay, listeners, we're doing hashtag stick around. Here we go. Ashley, let's rock and roll. What is it? Jason, who's the best kitty of 2019? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. What is this? The best kitty of 2019? Honestly, my hope was that Intern Brago would be in the room. And he's for not. one season, <laughs> he's not in the room. Uh, I mean, to be honest with you, I, I mean, I love Intern Brago, but um, it, we might have to give a tip for a hat to old Greg. Grumpy Cat, yeah, who, who we away. lost this year, yep. and Little Bub, who we also, also lost, lost this, this year. year. So, um, intern Brago, you're young. You got plenty of time to we win gotta this. Start, it's got to start him an Instagram account yep. so we can take over. You're young. You got plenty of years to win this award, but you don't win it in 2019. <laughs> <laughs> Book up, son. Okay. Hope you like our skits. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening to Geek History Lesson in 2019. And thank you so much for listening to us in the 2020s and further on. Uh, Happy New Year to you all. And I guess we can still say happy holidays. Let's just say it. Happy Happy everything. Happy holidays. Happy day. Happy week to you all. We really appreciate you guys listening to us. And, um, you know, we're excited to keep podcasting with you. So I am Jason. So excited. Inman. I am Ashley Victoria Robinson and Professor Jason. Would you please dismiss the class for the last time? Class is dismissed. And I don't want to see you till the new year.